0: Hello, everybody. This is Pastor Jeff Dawes, Senior Pastor of Stockbridge Community Church. I want to say thank you for joining us online. It is our prayer that today's message would be helpful and meaningful to your life. If you're in the South Atlanta area, I would personally like to invite you to come to one of our Sunday services at 9 a.m., 10.30 a.m., or 12 p.m. If you'd like to support God's work through Stockbridge Community Church— simply click the Give Online link at the upper right-hand corner in your web browser. And let me say it again, thank you so much for joining us today. Well, good morning, everybody. It is so good to see you today. I am glad that you are here today. Maybe you've been experiencing a, a week like that that was just a, a dramatized before you, maybe even have a little drama, and you're a little stressed. And so today we want to talk about that. We want to talk about how to keep from being stressed out. You know, uh, I know that we're in a, a time right now of, of extreme tension uh, in our country. It seems like I, I've, never, I've never seen a time in our history that where you turn on the evening news and it seems like a, a family member has decided to, uh, to kill their family and then turn the gun on themselves or whatever. It's, it's really strong. People are just so stressed out right now, and, and they're making decisions that, are, that just keep harming. And so today we want to talk about that, the stress. we have. What's the Bible's answer to it? Because God has to have an answer because we're all under so much pressure anymore. And so today as we begin this talk, I would like to tell you there's seven things that, that I've learned that uh, the seven top stressors in our, our nation are. And the first one is is job. Our job is our first stressor. The second one is our money. We get stressed out about finances. I, I, if I were to ask you to raise your hand, I think most of us would do that that's been stressed out about finances before. And that's why we do financial peace at this church to help you with that. Also, our health stresses us out. Our relationship stresses us out. Uh, a poor diet stresses us out. And then too much TV stretches us out, stresses us out. Matter of fact, if you're watching the evening news, if you're watching the morning news, noon news, evening news, and nightly news, you're probably stressed out. The best thing some of you could do is just turn Fox News off or CNN off or whatever and give yourself a break. And then the, the other stressor that we have is uh, is lack of sleep. Just being just not getting enough rest actually causes us to stress out. So today we want to talk about that and Again, we're talking right out of the book of Philippians. We're going to be in chapter 4. We're going to hone in on one particular verse uh, the majority of our time together. So let's get started. So if you go ahead and just write this in the first fill-in. And how to keep from stressing out, refuse to worry about anything. In Philippians 4, 6, Paul begins to tell us how this happens. He says, don't worry about what? Anything It's a command. Don't do it. Don't worry about anything, he says. You see, worry is the number one source of stress in your life. It's not your job. It's not your husband. It's not your wife. It's not your children. It's worry. It's worry that does that. Jesus, in his Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 6, this is where he went up and he preached the greatest sermon that's ever preached, and it's recorded in the first, uh, uh, Matthew 5, 6, and 7. Jesus uses a lot of that talk to talk about stress and worry. He talks a lot about that. Here's some things that we pull from Jesus' teaching in the Sermon on the Mount about worry, and here they are, it's on your outline. Worry exaggerates the problem. Would you agree with that? Worry turns a mountain into a what? A molehill. Maybe you've heard that. It takes something small and makes it big. It it exaggerates it. Worry is learned. Worry is learned. You see, you weren't born to worry. You weren't born with it. You learned it. You know know how you get good at worry? Is you practice it. I'm looking at some pros today. Amen? (laughs) I tried some of us in this room like, would be like, we would be pros at worrying because we practice it so much. It's controlled our life. And so we have to learn to, it's a habit that we have to let go of. And then worry is unhealthy. I read this this week. I'm doing a little research and finding out the, what the implications that worry has on our body. And it, worry suppresses the immune system. In other words, it can make you sick. I was trying to think of this uh, line that I've heard someone say before. Is that you know, I am sick and tired, (laughs) right? That means I'm worried to death. I'm sick and tired. I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired. I'm worried to death. Also, it affects your digestive system. Worry is uh, can uh, make you have muscle tension. Worry also can make you have short-term memory loss. It can also uh, make you have a heart attack. The good news about that is that many of you are having short-term memory loss just because you're worrying yourself to death and you don't have Alzheimer's. That's the good news, right? You know, that's the number one fear, isn't it? I mean, most of us are afraid we're losing our minds. Man, I can't remember that. I'm forgetting too much. I must be getting Alzheimer's or dementia. No, you just got a lot on your plate. You need to learn how to uh, take care of that. Then the next one is worry is unhelpful. Worry can't make your life any better. It can't make you live longer. But worry can shorten your life. It can shorten your life in a big way. Worry doesn't change the past. It can't control the future. It can only jack up today. Amen. I mean, it can only just mess up today. That's all worry can do. It can't can't change the past, control the future. It just makes you miserable today. Today. And most of us, listen, Most of us worry about things that never happen anyway. 90% of our worries, it's been proven fact, never come to pass. Never. So we need to change that. You see, worry is useless. The only thing worry can change is you. It can make you miserable. And so God doesn't want you to worry. And in our culture today, we really have to I have to work at this because there's something all the time. Bad news is coming our way all the time. All these fears are coming our way. And so we have to have God's help with this. So, number two, how to keep from stressing out. Talk to God about everything. I like to say it this way. Instead of panic, why not pray? You know that panic feeling when you get... When you get so overwhelmed, you start thinking about this over and over and over again. You can begin to have this panic. That's when you begin to have anxiety and panic attacks because your adrenaline glands are, are pumping really really hard in your body and, and it's shooting all this energy and it has nowhere to go and, and it creates this anxiety. The, one of the things I want to tell you about worry is this. Is stop talking to yourself so much and start talking to God. Would you agree that, do you know this, that you will listen to your voice over everybody else's voice? I could have you come right here and tell you a fact, something that's true, and in your mind, if you hear yourself saying, I don't believe that, I don't believe that, I don't believe that, guess what? You're going to walk out of here no matter how true it is, and you're going to go do your own thing, and you're going to be stressed out. I would say the best thing you can do is turn your voice down and begin to talk to God. You believe yourself over anybody else. And so we have to stop talking to ourselves in a negative way. And we can, if you can stop talking to yourself and start talking to God more, then it will change everything in your life. Everything in your life. Paul says it this way in verse 6 again, going back to that. Look, look on your outline with me. He says, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about what? Everything. That means if you have a broken toenail, pray about it. That means that the little stuff that's everything, everything, everything. Pray about everything. You see, if, if we prayed as much as we worried, just imagine what kind of spiritual life we would have. Just, just imagine how close you would feel to God if you prayed as much as you worried. And so why not, why not have that life? You know, when I feel close to God, then I don't have as much stress. When I feel close to God, I feel better about myself. So let worry begin to be a trigger to remind you that God loves you and that God's in control and that it's going to be okay. Let, Let it be a trigger for that. I don't know about you, but when I was a kid, I would go to my parents and I would ask them for things, and it may be like, you know, maybe a motorcycle or something. I don't know. I would ask for something. Something that would, you know, just be way out there. And if you're a parent today, your kid has probably come to you and asked you for something that there's no way that you could afford. They, they will ask you for things like that. And when they ask you for stuff like that, they don't think about how you're going to pay for it, do they? I mean, they don't come up and say, hey, mom and dad, is it in the budget if I get the new iPhone 6? Is it in the budget for that? You know, that's probably going to cost you. Let's see. That's probably going to up your phone bill. About another $100 a month, $150 a month. Is that in the budget? Do they come to you like that? Shoot, no. They don't come talking about any budget. They just come and say, hey, I want an iPhone 6. Please get it for me. I'll do anything. I'll feed the dog like I promised I would do last year. You know, I'll take out the trash. They'll make... They'll do it all, you know. I'll do this, do this, do this. And they're lying <laughs> right through their teeth. Yes. What I, the point is this, is that they don't think about how you're going to solve the problem. They just bring the problem to you. But the problem is this, as adults, we think of God differently, don't we? Because what we try to do with God is we try to, we try to figure out how he can answer the prayer before we ever pray the prayer. Come on now. We think about, we spend a lot of time... In our minds thinking, okay, well, God, now if you did this and you did this and you did this, then you could, that would fix that problem. And if we can't figure out how God can do it, we won't even pray it. So many times we try to figure out the how before we even talk to God. Listen, you're God's kid. You're God's child. It's not up to you. It's not your responsibility to figure out how God's going to answer all your prayers. All that you're responsible for is to pray the prayer and believe. Amen. Just think, when you're going to pray to God, just think like your kids coming up to you and say, you know what? I need this. Everything inside of you, even if you can't afford it, wants to help your kid have what they want. Amen? So does God. So does God. He wants your marriage to be better. He wants your kids to be better. He wants your job to be better. He wants your finance to be better. He wants your health to be better. So go to God with confidence. Go with with confidence. When we worry we're acting like atheists, what we're really saying is that I don't believe that God can help me. Matter of fact, you know what you're really saying when we worry is that we're saying, God, I don't believe God loves me. Whenever you worry, you are questioning God's love, how much He loves you. And I want to tell you, He loves you. Look what the Scripture says, James 4 and 2. He says, you do not have because you do not what? Because you do not ask God. Not ask your boss, not ask your spouse, not ask your professor, not ask your parents, not ask your children, because you don't ask God, he says, And, you know, this is my philosophy. I want to try to ask more than I worry. I want to try to ask more than I worry. If it's worth worrying about, it surely is worth praying about. Would you agree with that? If it's worth worrying, we should pray about it. And I like this next verse because it's our memory verse. You know what a memory verse means? That means you memorize it. Memorize it. Why 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 am I emphasizing that this year? I'll tell you why. Because the more you get, the more energy you focus on memorizing God's word, the less time you have to memorize your worries. Oh, my goodness. Oh, that was a good one right there, wasn't it? Man, that's... You see, because we memorize our worries and and we forget God's Word. So if you can memorize God's Word, then you can forget your worries. And guess what? That's peace and that's happiness and and that's a happy habit. I would encourage you to memorize God's Word. Rhonda and I, we put these memory verses up on our our, uh, refrigerator each week to to memorize those. Why? So that our mind can rehearse God's Word. And it combats all the fear in your life. So... I have a next step for you on the back of your connection card. I put this statement right here, and the reason I want you to check the box is because it jars your memory when you do that. There's something about our senses and our brains. If we take an action with it, it'll help us remember, and that is this. It says, I will begin to pray with confidence. Would you check that box? Maybe you've been praying like a Mickey Mouse kind of hiding prayer, but I want you to pray with confidence. God wants you to pray with confidence. Believe that when you pray, just you just present it to God. Don't worry how it sounds. Don't worry if it's so big or so small. You just take your care right to God and you say, God, I need help with this. Do something, God. And watch what will begin to happen in your life. Number three, how to keep from stressing out. Thank God in all things. Notice this passage. Again, going back to verse number six, he says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with what? Come on, let's let's say it again. With what? Thanksgiving. Okay, now we're not talking about one day a year, all right? With Thanksgiving, that means every day, that's an attitude. With Thanksgiving, present your request to God. So you know you cannot be happy and ungrateful. And ungrateful at the same time. You just can't. You cannot be the you. You know you can't be ungrateful and happy at the same time. We said this a couple weeks ago. Ungrateful people are hateful people. It's hard to be grateful and hateful at the same time. You cannot do it. You can't tell someone how much you appreciate them, how much you uh, thank God for them, and lash out at them at the same time. You cannot do that. It changes your whole attitude. You see, studies have shown that people that live a life of gratitude live longer. People that have the attitude of gratitude, they live a lot longer. They live longer in life. They're the healthiest people. Do you know that they attend more funerals than anybody else? Because they're outliving us all, right? <laughs> they're like, yeah, yeah. They was a hard old joker and they're dead now. You know, I learned to just go with the flow. <laughs> Learn to be thankful. You know, if you want to change your marriage, if you wanna change your job situation, man, you be thankful. You know, every job has a four-letter word that goes along with it. Work. Every job. I, I listen, any any job, if it has a it has a four-letter word that goes along with it, and, and there's parts of that. That word work that you have on your job that makes it a little bit uncomfortable at times and can make you unthankful for that. But I'm telling you, man, if you want your job to get better, you just say, God, thank you that I have a job. You know what? It may be difficult at times. I may be working with some people that I really don't like right now. But God, thank you that I have a job and I can provide food for my family. Thank you, God. That will change everything about your workplace. God, thank you for my spouse. Oh, God, they're a pain in the old gluteus maximus sometimes. Okay, amen? You're scared to say anything right now, aren't you? You're like, I ain't saying nothing. Yes, we all are. But guess what? You are too. <laughs> and so with the moment that we can just begin to say thank you changes everything. The fact is that I can always... Think of something to thank God for. Look at the next verse with me. The next verse says this in 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18. Paul is writing this. Would you read those first two words out loud with me? Come on, let's read them together. You ready? Rejoice. Rejoice always. Rejoice always. Let me pause there a moment. You see, there's something that we we do. Is that we have a tendency to live in regret. What is regret? Regret is reliving a past memory of something bad that happened in your life that you wish you could go back and change. Does that make sense to you? Okay. And all of us have that tendency. It's natural. We have a natural tendency to live in regret. That means we rehearse those, we rehearse that painful memory over in our mind. We get that sick feeling all over again, and it just just kills us every time we think about that. So the Bible said Paul saying the antidote to that what we should do is rejoice. What is rejoicing? Rejoicing is reliving all the good things that happened in our life, replaying those memories over again and when you replay those over again, you get good feelings. Does that make sense? You know, think about the time when something good happened in your life. Relive the moment. Think about that. Dwell on that. And when you do, you get happy on the inside. So Paul was saying you can either live in regret or you can learn to rejoice. And God wants us to learn to rejoice. Relive the good stuff. Rejoice in the Lord always. He said, again, I say rejoice. Relive the God good moments in your life. How many of you know? How many would raise your hand today and you would say, you know what, Pastor, I know there's been a time in my life that God has intervened in my life. Let me see your hand. That's, all, that's almost 100%. Why don't you think about that moment? Why don't you go back? Why don't you let your mind go? Ahead? Some of you were sick in your body, and God come in and done a miracle. Some of you, your children, were, they, were, they were in bad shape, but you prayed, and you know that God did something some of you, you know, it was on your job. You shouldn't have got the job, but you prayed and you got it. Everybody else was getting laid off and, 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 and work was bad here a couple years ago, but you retained your job. You should have lost your house, but you prayed and you did not. Why? Because we have a good God that's doing good things for his people. Amen. Amen. You relive that moment. And when you relive that moment, it brings you happy. Happy, happy, happy. He says, pray continually and give thanks in all circumstances, not for all, but in all. There's a big difference there. Bad things happen to you and they happen to me, and I'm not happy when they happen to me, so I don't say, well, God, thank you, This horrible things happening in my life. No. But I say, God, you're still God no matter what's going on in my life. Amen? That's thankful for. That's in, not for. In, not for. I want to tell you something real quickly. Uh, Rhonda and I are going to Israel, and uh, we're going to go to the Jordan River where Jesus was baptized at, and I'm going to be re-baptized. I'm doing like a rededication baptism there. I was baptized when I was 15 years old, and I, I thought about this, what it's going to mean to me at this stage in my life, what it's going to mean to me, and I thought, you know what? There's probably some of you that would like to do the same thing. Now, maybe you can't go to Israel and get in the Jordan River, but what I want to share with you is that on the 12th, of april the sunday after easter i am personally going to re-baptize or baptize anyone that wants to be baptized that day if you want to do like me like a sort of a rededication baptism i want to encourage you just to just to check the box on the back of your card here i personally am going to do it i'm going to every service i'm going to get in the pool myself pastor kevin and i and we're going to i'm going to baptize every person that wants to do that and so if you want to partake in that just just check your card And I'd love to have you join us. Okay, number four is this. Write this down. Be content with everything reduces stress. Be content with uh, with anything. I'm sorry. Be content with anything. Contentment is enjoying what you have right now. Did you hear that? Contentment is enjoying what you have right now. Some of you think, you know what? Well, when I get the feeling better, then I'm going to be happy. Some of you think, you know what, well, when I get another job, then I'm going to be happy. Or when my my kids get over this problem, I'm going to be happy. Or, you know, when, when I can afford this home, then I'm going to be happy. Friend, if you think like that, you're never going to be happy. Why not choose right now just to be happy? Be content with what you have right now. Notice what Paul says this in verse number 11 of chapter 4. He says, would you read out loud those first three words? Come on, I mean, read them out loud. You ready? I have I have learned it's it's not automatic. He said, "I have learned to be content whatever the circumstance. I know what it is to be in need. I know what it is to have plenty." Here it is again. Would you read those three words again out loud? You ready? I have learned. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation where they're well-fed or hungry, where they're living in plenty or in want. He said, I've learned this. It's, it's something that has to be learned. I want to tell you the secret to being content. Are you ready? The secret to being content is stop comparing. Stop comparing. Quit looking at somebody that you're trying to keep up with. Maybe it's an older brother. Maybe it's a good friend. Quit comparing yourself to them. Because there's always going to be somebody that's going to be ahead of you, and you're never going to be there. So when you quit comparing, you quit competing, and you have peace. Stop comparing, and you will stop competing, and you will have peace. And my friend, God wants you to have peace. Quit looking, you know, you look at other people's marriages and say, oh boy, if I just had that. Matter of fact, most of the places that you look for other people's marriages is on television. You think, oh, if I just had that relationship, that's Hollywood! They're actors. Just go, just go out the checkout line at Walmart and look at the magazine and see that this person's already busted up with this person, this person busted up with this person. Find their real life, right? You know the people that, get, that have more marital problems than anybody else is the actors of Hollywood. Why? Because they, they're used to acting. They're not used to really living. <laughs> Shoot in 30 minutes, they can solve the world's problem on television, right? I mean, you get everything back at the end of a good movie, Right? I mean, hey, a good lifetime movie. I mean, it's horrible in the beginning. It's a little worse in the middle, but thank God it comes out heavenly in the end. That's a lifetime movie. That's not life. Stop comparing. The last thing I'd like to say to you this morning is live for God's purpose. If you want to quit, if you want to uh, be able to conquer stress, If you don't live for God's purpose, then you're going to live for somebody else's purpose. Either your own or somebody else. And let me tell you something, there's a lot of people that's got a will for your life. If you don't make God's will your purpose in your life, then you'll live it for other people's will. So the Bible says this in uh, verse number 13 of chapter 4, Paul writes. Paul says this, he says, I have the strength to face all conditions by the power, notice that, by the power that Christ gives me. If you want strength, you have to have God's power. You see, when you when God's purpose, when you, when you live for God's purpose, it generates God's power. And if you're not a Christ follower today, man, you have no clue. You're trying to live this all alone. And it's killing you. Today I would challenge you. On your in your program right now, there is a prayer that I've written out for you so that you could get it right. If you pray that prayer today and you mean that in your heart, then today you can become a Christ follower and you can find the strength and the power that only comes from God. I want to encourage you to do that. The only thing I'm going to ask you to do is is when you do it, just check it on the back of our connection card so that we can pray for you. See, God's purpose generates God's power. We we stay at Stockbridge Community. We summarize God's purpose for our life. We, we believe that through the great commandment and the great commission that God's instructed us to connect with God and His family. He's instructed us to grow in God's character. He's instructed us to serve God's church. And He's instructed us to share God's message. And so on your, on your outline, I've written this, uh, in this statement down. God's purpose looks like this. It, it looks like connecting with God and His family. That means that church is important to you. Can I talk to you just a moment from my heart? Listen, our world's in a crisis. It's in a crisis. The more that the the world turns away from God, the more difficult it is going to be in our country. The only hope for our country, I, I, I wish I could just say this. I hope you hear it. The only hope for America and your kids, listen, if America goes to hell, your kids go with them and our kids go with them. We have to stand up for morality in our in our in our world. We have to stand up for godly values. That's the only thing that's kept our country together for years. We've been united on that. And now that is falling apart. And it's up to you and I now to be the men and women of God who not just show us, say, man, you know, it used to be important to my grandparents. Let it be important to us. And so coming together, you need it. You need to model that with your for your family and connect groups. Why? Because. We need people of like, we need to be around people that are like-minded. You go to work with people that believe all kinds of stuff that's not true. And they pull on you. And you need this. And your kids need this. So I beg you, man, make church a priority. Make, Make your connect group a priority. And I'm so proud of you because we have more people in connect group this time around than ever before. It's awesome. Also, growing in God's character. How do you do that? Moms and dads, listen, model this. It's the only hope that our kids have, as you model this, is listen, pray, pray. Spend five or ten minutes a day, pray. Wouldn't it be awesome if your kids got up one morning and saw you on your knees, and you weren't looking for something? You know what I'm talking Moms, you know what I'm talking about. Man, What well, wouldn't that be awesome? I mean, I'm talking about five or ten minutes. Pray. Read God's Word. Why? Because the more you get God's Word in, the less stress you have. And I talked about that last week. Read God's Word. 10 or 15 minutes a day so that you can be guided the right way because you're a light in the world now and especially to your children and to your your friends and family. You're the light. And then give. Teach them that generosity is a key to life. And SEC, you're you're so generous. Stockbridge Community Church, you're the most generous people I know. You know, we got our new lights in now and we got our new projector in. We got our cameras in the back. In a few weeks, we'll be streaming our services. It's going to be awesome because of your generosity. And we decided that, you know what, not only are we going to give so that we can have here in, in our country, but we're going to give around the world, and we're going on a mission trip to Honduras. Uh, we have planned now uh, that's going to be in June, and we'd love to take some of you with me. Guys, we need, we're need we going to build a church. We'd like some men to go with us as well. You can go. It only costs you about $1,500, bucks and, and you can go. We'd love to have you go. You can sign up on your connection card. Why? Because when we do for the poor, God says when you when you take care of the poor, you're taking care of God. You're giving to the God when you give to the poor. You're loaning to the Lord, what Proverbs said. You see, and then serving God's church, there's something I want you to know is that last year we had over 225 people receive Christ in this sanctuary. 23 of those were parents of preschoolers. And I want you to know because we had a great preschool program and volunteers back there in the preschool that those parents were able to come in and undistracted hear God's voice and his message and give their life to Christ, and they're going to be in heaven for eternity because someone served. It matters when you serve. It matters when you serve. We have a lady in our church. Her name is Susan Holly, and uh, she will hear about someone being in the hospital, and before, it's not, we don't even tell her. She finds out somehow. I don't know. I think she's connected to the FBI or something. I don't know. But man, she will, she goes to the hospital and she prays for people. I mean, she gets in places where pastors cannot get into. I mean, she prays for people, they get better, you know. And listen, I said, if something happens to me, don't send Pastor Kevin, send Susan, you know. And she just prays for people because she wants to, not because she has to. Find out your place to serve God's family. You see, you won't serve something until you love it, and you won't love something until you serve it. So, man. Listen, in our day and age, your church needs you if we're going to survive this thing and we're going to change the culture and that's what we're going to do. We're not just going to survive. we got to turn the tide. Amen? How many of you think that the tide in America needs to be turned? Let me see your hands, okay? All right, That's right, we're it. We're it. We're the people that's going to do that. You understand? We're, we we got to come together. We cannot be divided. We can't fraction off. we got to stick together and be a church together that together we can do mighty things for God. And the last one I have there is share God's message, and there's a great opportunity for that to happen. It's called Easter. It's coming up. We're going to have, we're, you know what we're going to do this year? We know that the spring break's falling on that weekend, so we're asking every couple, everyone, don't go on vacation until you come to Easter service, which we're going to do on a Friday night. So we're saying we're going to have a Friday night service and Sunday services, so if you got to go out of town, let your kids come to their church on Easter, so come on Friday night. And by the way, if if, you, if you're going to go out of town, then we say, come on Friday night, and we'll feed you ice cream that night. We're going to have Brewster's ice cream here on that Friday night. Is that a bribe? Yes. Yes. So come on out. Why is this important? Here's why. We have a couple sitting in here today. Their name is Joey and Christy Singer. They came two years ago on Easter, changed their lives. Changed their lives. There's a lady by the name of Carla Wagner who kept inviting, kept inviting, kept inviting. They kept shrugging her off, shrugging her off, shrugging her off, you know. But finally, Joey said they came as a family on Easter Sunday. He would tell you that that decision has changed their life. It's changed their life. That opportunity we talk about for a better life, it's changed their life. Joey, God has blessed them with a better job. He's blessed them with a lot of things because it's changed their life. And so what I'm telling you is that your invitation will change someone's life, and so today you actually have a little invite card on your, on your program. I want you to take that card, invite someone, but I don't want you to just take that card. We're going to give you five more on the way out the door, and I'm asking you to sow some seeds. At the end of our service, we're going to show you a video that's going to show you how to do that. But man, sow some seeds because it makes a difference in people's lives. I want you to do one thing before I close here today. Would you take your pen back out? And I want you to take that pen out, and I want you to where it says connecting. I want you to write the word I am, the words I am. You ready? Would you write that down? I am connecting with God and his family. And then would you write the words I am in front of growing? I am growing in God's character. Would you write the words I am in front of serving? I am serving God's family. Would you write the word I am sharing God's message? And then right below that, you see that the word Stockbridge Community Church? Would you just write the words I am... Stockbridge Community Church. Would you write that down? Now let's just read that out loud together. I am Stockbridge Community Church. Ready? One, two, three. I am Stockbridge Community Church. Come on one more time. I am Stockbridge Community Church. You're it. You're it. I'm not it. You're it. We together are it. We're Stockbridge Community Church, and we're on a mission to change the world for Jesus. And our kids deserve a better world than what we're handing them right now. We've got to do something different. We've got to get serious about our faith so that they have a chance. So today, man, we are Stockbridge Community Church. It's because what Jesus Christ has done for us that makes it possible. I'd like you to go ahead and stand with us now, and our prayer partners are coming uh, down. Today, I am Stockbridge Community Church. You are too. Today, before we begin this song, I want you to just think about what God has done for you. Look around you at all the wonderful people standing here today. Would you just look at these wonderful people? I need you, and you need me. We are Stockbridge Community Church. We're a people that bound together by God's love, His grace, His mercy. And we're on a mission together. What is our mission? That everyone will know Jesus Christ and have an opportunity for a better life so that your children may grow up in a better world. Your grandchildren may grow up in a better world. We've got to turn the tide. And we're an army of believers. And I'm asking you to be more serious than you've ever been before in your life about your spiritual life. Because Jesus Christ has died on the cross for our sins that we can have the power to live a life that is for Him. This morning, guys, we sing this song. Would you reflect on that? Our prayer partners are down. If you would like for them to pray, would you please come down? If you want to pray by yourself, you can come here, but don't leave the way you came with your burden. Thank you again so much for joining us online at SCC. I would love to know that you're out there listening and be able to connect with you. If you would, email me at jeffdaws at sccview.net. The spelling of my name is J-E-F-F-D-A-W-S. I pray you have a blessed week and join us again soon.